Welcome back, everyone. Another week of Taurus Tech Talk here at SG Taurus. I'm your host, Matt LePan. This week, we are once again joined by our senior technical support representative. It's Phil Valpe. Phil, welcome back to Tech Talk. Thanks, Matt. Today, Phil's going to be talking about some common issues that you'll run into with thermostatic and electronic expansion valves and troubleshooting those common issues. It's something you're going to run into on just about every job, but just giving you a couple reminders here as we get into cooling season and you're going to be out and you're going to be busy. So Phil, what are some of the really common examples of issues you see starting first with TXVs, thermostatic expansion valves? Coming into the cooling season, you know, expansion valves tend to be a, a hard thing for rookie and novice technicians and even some of the experienced ones to find out what the problem is because it's not something we see every day, but it crops up for about two or three months at the beginning of the season. Now, there are two expansion valve types that we use. We use uh, thermostatic expansion valves and we use electronic expansion valves or EEVs or LEVs, they're called. I'll go into the regular TXVs first, and these are mechanical valves. The, the job of the expansion valve, as most of us know, is to meet a refrigerant according to load into the evaporator coil. The expansion valves that we use have liquid coming in, vapor coming out, and a pin that opens and closes to valve that volume into the coil to make sure we're getting enough or not too much. And we do that by measuring the temperature of the coil and measuring the temperature of the refrigerant leaving the coil. The job of the valve is to put 40 degree refrigerant into the coil and heat it up with the air going across the coil so that it leaves it approximately 50 degrees. So we have something on the order of, we call it 10 degrees of superheat. Superheat is the amount of heat added to the cold refrigerant to make it warmer coming out of the coil. So what the valve does is measures the suction pipe coming out of the evaporator coil and cooling and compares that to the temperature coming in, which it knows by pressure. So our standard numbers are 40 degree temperature of the refrigerant coming into the coil and somewhere, let's say, 50 degrees coming out. Now, if the airflow starts to get poor, the coil will get colder and colder, and the valve will sense colder air by seeing really cold refrigerant coming out, and it will start to shut it down. So the valve on low airflow will shut down. But if your airflow is okay and the valve is shutting down, we have a faulty sensor. So we have to measure the coil temperature and the suction temperature to determine whether or not we have a faulty valve. So if our superheat, as we call it, is set for 10, that thermostatic expansion valve is always trying to maintain 10 degrees across the coil for refrigerant temperature. Now, if the house is really, really hot, it can't even get to 10. So that number may be 12 or 15 or 18. If it's a huge load in the house and there's nothing wrong with that, you just have to know it's got a huge load when you're troubleshooting it. So a thermostatic expansion valve job is to maintain the correct superheat across the coil. 
So in troubleshooting it, we have to measure the temperature of the freon coming in, which we do by putting our gauge on and measure the pressure and convert it using a pressure temperature chart. And then we have to have a probe on the suction line coming out to measure the actual temperature and compare it to our incoming temperature and see if the correct superheat is there. Now there are superheat charts on your outdoor unit or with your expansion valve. But superheat then is how is the valve working? To charge the unit, we use subcooling on the outdoor unit, and that's a different story. But we have to know what the superheat range is on our valve. So if it is 9, 10, 11, 12, which are some common superheats, that's what we should be seeing on the valve. If it's really hot in the house, it could be higher than that, and we have to let the house cool down. If it's really cold in the house, the valve should maintain close to 10 degrees by being almost shut. Now that's a thermostatic expansion valve, and, and that's kind of the crude way of doing it, but it's the way we've had for about 50 years. Once we go to the new valves, which are electronic expansion valves, EEVs or LEVs, we can do it a little bit tighter. How we manage the modulation on these is with a valve that looks like a very fine screw and a motor on top of the valve that looks, it's about the size of a silver dollar and it's black and it's got a bunch of wires going to it with magnets in it. And this, we call it the motor on the valve, magnetically turns the screw up to either 500 or 2000 turns. So this is really fine tuned so the, the pin in the needle valve can open and close just minute, minute amounts. Zero is closed, 500 is open. So how we work on those valves is the electronic sensors, which are just thermistors, are put onto the evaporator coil. One is put onto the coil on the inlet side where the refrigerant comes into the coil, and that's called the evaporated temperature. And one is put on the outlet of the coil on the gas side or the GT sensor. So we have an ET, evaporator temperature, and a GT, the gas temperature. The ET will always be less than the GT. So if you have the ability to read the ET and the GT on a screen with a probe or something, you must see the ET be less temperature than the GT. If the gas temperature is less than the evaporated temperature, that means we are adding cooling to the Freon. We are not adding heat. And in air conditioning, our job is to take heat out of the air going across the coil out of the Freon to raise the gas temperature. So a bad sensor will show up as maybe a negative superheat. Now, some of our air handlers, our TAM9s and TAM7s, have the ability to plug in or they have a screen to look at these temperatures directly. So if we have an electronic expansion valve and the temperature of the evaporator is 100 degrees and the gas temperature is 50 degrees, the valve says, I have to shut down solid, so it will shut the valve down and the unit will pump down outside and it will go off on low pressure. 
So that's caused by a faulty evaporated temperature sensor or an evaporated temperature sensor that is not attached to the pipe. And we see this frequently where we look at the temperatures and we have negative superheat and negative superheat indoors on the evaporator will cause the valve to shut. It is not a problem with the valve. It is a problem with the sensor and or maybe a printed circuit board that's reading it. So electronic valves use sensors. These are electronic sensors, and most of them are a 10K sensor, meaning at 77 degrees, they'll measure 10,000 ohms. So if you're using an ohm meter, you could unplug the sensor, measure its ohm, and see if it reads the chart. Most of them, in terms of voltage, are using a 5-volt DC signal. So there should be a chart with your, with your unit to tell you what the, what the temperature is that way. We recommend on our units, we, our TAM9 has an actual screen to look at the temperature, so you just push the buttons and get it. And on our TAM7s, which are the older ones with electronic valves, you can plug in a CDA. A CDA is a monitor, like a little tool or a maintenance type tool that will read it. I recommend you get one. They're about $30 or something, and you, you can read data off of the boards. So when you're reading the data, you always want to make sure that with the electronic valve that the evaporated temperature is colder than the gas temperature. If you have to do it with an actual probe or a laser gun or something, you can, you can do that. So these stepper motors are opened and closed with the voltage, as I said before. So sometimes the, the motor, the stepper motor will actually fail. And we have a chart to tell you how to check the motor. The motor either has five or six wires. And the five or six wires are connected to magnets. And these magnets will energize clockwise or counterclockwise, whether they want to open the valve or close the valve. So if one of the magnets fails or a wire breaks, then it won't do it properly. So how we check the motor is we take the ohm meter, set it on a scale little read between zero and 100 ohms. We're looking about 50 ohms. And on the five wire units, the, the gray wire is common. So we would go from gray to orange, gray to red, gray to yellow, and gray to black on a five wire motor, and we should read 46 ohms. So gray is common, and orange, red, yellow, and black are the magnets, and we should read 46 ohms on those. On the six wire units, we have two commons. We have a brown and we have a red. Brown to blue and brown to yellow should be 46 ohms and red to orange and red to white should be 46 ohms. Now, this is with the paperwork with the unit, but if you get stuck, you can give us a call. There are, again, two, two motors that we use with different vendors. One has five wires, one has six, but the coils always measure 46 ohms on that magnetic circuit. If you're missing one, that valve will not move properly and you'll have a problem with, them, with the EEV control. Also, we have electronic expansion valve boards in the unit with lights that will tell you whether or not the valve is working properly. And it will usually tell you if we have a wire broken. You know, we have 
one light, two light, three light, four light, five light blanks in it, in the chart on the on the thing will, will tell you. For instance, if the evaporator temperature sensor has failed, we'll get three red blinks on our board in our TAM7 and our TAM9. But if the stepper motor has failed, we will get five blinks on the board. So that says we got a faulty motor on the, on the stepper motor. So to, to wrap things up, troubleshooting expansion valves, we need to know the gas temperature leaving the evaporator. We need to know the saturated temperature of the gas going in, and they should be, you know, I'll say about 10 degrees apart under normal circumstances. One thing you should know, though, is when you are checking a charge, it should be at least 55 degrees outside, and it should be hopefully 70 to 72 degrees inside. That's a lot of great information there, Phil, and we appreciate you giving us this information. Like we said, you're going to run into expansion valve issues at some point, whether it's tomorrow or the next day or next week, you're going to run into it. If you can't get it figured out by what Phil just told you here, give us a call. You can call the tech line and you'll get put into queue and you'll get either Phil or Russell or Mark or Ken, and we'll take care of you there. They'll make sure that you get everything squared away, get those valves checked off and back on the road to your next job. We want to thank Phil again for coming on and giving us knowledge on expansion valves. I want to thank all of you out there for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora. Anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us. Just search Taurus Tech Talk. Follow along on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn using the hashtag Taurus Tech Talk. And as always, catch all of our podcasts right on our website, sgtaurus.com backslash podcasts. One thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Taurus Tech Talks.